0: Self
1: anymore like lost key in the kitchen drawer. just waiting for someone to show me to the door. Turn
2: upwards,
0: hey the up, my name's Ben, and you're listening to file 36 of the YYY Files. This file belongs to, well, surprise, surprise, a Stoke fan who isn't from Stoke. That doesn't mean that he's not thrown himself into life with the club, and it's all thanks to those closest to him. He's had experiences that, yet again, we've not heard about on this podcast before, and I'm delighted that he's put himself forward to Sheridan today. Chris Machin, how are you, mate?
1: I'm very well, thanks, Ben. Yeah, really glad to be talking to you and very much looking forward to this.
0: Very much looking forward to this myself as well. I'm really glad you're here. And another accent that I've had to deal with on this podcast as well. Very <laughs> Indeed. <different one.
1: laughs> yeah, I'm from Bristol, um... Hopefully you can't hear too much of a farmer twang, it's a bit of a <laughs> mishmash from my parents, but uh, yeah, not quite a Stokey accent.
0: Hey, don't don't worry, we've had all sorts on here, and, and some would say that Stokey's the worst accent, so I think you've got away like quite lightly there, don't worry about that. Anyway, so, for those of you that don't know, the YYYF files are Stoke City stories, and they're told by you. Without people like Chris, the files just couldn't be possible. That's why I'm asking for you to come and share your story too. If you want to appear on a show like Chris and create a file, head to the website and click Get Involved. That's the YYY files.com, or on all social media at the YYYFiles or email the YYY files. at mail.com all those links in the podcast description. So, mate, I'm going to start off the same way that I start off every one of these files. Why, why are you a Stoke fan? And I want to know from the beginning.
1: Sure. So... Very much through my bloodline, uh, rite of passage, as some may say. Hmm. Uh, it was my dad who uh, got me into Stoke City, Billy Machin. Uh, yeah, he was born um, in Hanley in Stoke-on-Trent. Mm-hmm. Grew up there, obviously through some of the uh, the great days of, of Sistan and, and Gordon Banks, just to name a few. Um, moved away from the area to go to teacher training in Liverpool, where he met my mum. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, moved down to Bristol to complete his master's in chemistry and Saint (laughs) Levy. Mum and the sort of family have been down there for uh, about 40 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've never lived in the area, but uh, yeah, very fond of the people and um, come up to see games as much as I can.
0: So I'm guessing he just got you involved with Stoke. Was that just his first thought? Like once he had a son, he was like, "Right, let's get him involved with Stoke," even though you were that far away.
1: Well, it evolved over time, really. Um, bit sh- shame to say on a, on a Stoke podcast that, uh, like most children, you know, Stoke weren't shown too much on on, on the box, <laughs> uh, and it was a uh, Man United on my mum's side. Yeah, I know. Oh, uh, there we go. Of, uh, <laughs> you know, I got into football with first. Yeah, um, I think that's sort of you know a, a key point really because. You know, watching Stoke when I was young, it, it wasn't something that was easily accessible. Uh, no, we didn't have Sky. Um, my dad didn't travel um, due to uh, he had quite a a near miss on a motorway when he was travelling um, to and from Stoke to see my grandparents. Um, so he didn't like to drive on the motorway, and if, if you can't get go up the motorway to get to Stoke, it's a pretty long drive. <laughs> so, um, we didn't get to see too many games. Of course, no no internet back there. So the only thing we really had was Teletext. Mm. And um, that's how we used to see the scores rolling in. So I, I would have been about 10 or 11 when I first got into Stoke, I'd say.
0: Okay. What were them first memories like for you? You mentioned Teletext, but what was that first time you remember living and breathing Stoke?
1: Yeah, so first game was part of the 97-98 season when unfortunately Stoke got relegated from what was the old first division. Mm. Uh, The first game I watched was Stoke City 2, Manchester City 5.
0: Oh, God. Uh, Wow, uh, good start.
1: Yeah, good start. (laughs) Should have been an indication for what was to come. (laughs) But, um, yeah, Peter Thorne got a brace that day and, um, yeah, someone who I'm going to probably talk about a fair, fair deal. So that was the first televised game. Hmm. The first game that I went to in person was actually on April Fool's Day in 2000. So again, another omen I should have uh, <laughs> taken into consideration. Uh, and that was away at Bristol Rovers. Okay. And that was Bristol Rovers three, Stoke City three. Oh, so a bit better. Peter Thorne scored a hat trick. Oh. In the sort of the, the three years when, from when I started watching them to when uh, Peter Thorne got sold to to Cardiff. He scored 44 times in 88 games, so uh, one every two, bang on, right. and uh, really was my first Stoke City hero, I'd say.
0: And and you would think so with that as, with that sort of record as well. I, I mean, one and two, we'd be crying out for someone like that now, wouldn't we?
1: Absolutely, and you know, that that Bristol Rovers team back then, they had Jason Roberts up front, Jamie mm. Curie up front, and uh, Mark Walters, who used to used to play for um, Liverpool and got capped by England. So they had a fairly decent team. We were sat in the away end at the memorial Ground, couldn't you know, easily get tickets. You know, Even back then, in what is now a League One game, you know, Stokey's packed out the stand. So we sort of used to sit next to each other with the Bristol Rovers fans. And um, every time a goal went in, we give each other a bit of a nudge, you know, <laughs> <laughs> try not to show our delight too much. But yeah, cracking game to watch first up. Really, really good.
0: I can imagine, absolutely. So how was that development for you becoming a Stoke fan from teletext to watching them on telly to being at the ground, watching them live? What was that transition like for you?
1: Yeah, so I think um, b- before I'd watched my first televised game, I um, we'd gone up to visit my grandparents and um, it was when the Britannia stadium was being built and um, dad wanted to see, you know, the the new stadium being constructed. So I I saw um, the Britannia before it was completed in the spring of 97. Um, So obviously that sort of, you know, got, got the juices flowing for me. And then obviously seeing the games afterwards, then I got into, as I say, watching watching the uh, the live game against Bristol Rovers. And it was two weeks later that they had the auto-windscreen shield final at Wembley hmm. against another Bristol team, Bristol City. Yes, My neighbour across the road uh, in Bristol was an ardent Bristol City fan. And uh, he drove us over to Wembley. So uh, it was me and my dad and I think three Bristol City fans in the car. And again, Peter Thorne pops up. Right, at the end, to win it 2-1 for us. Hmm. For me then, it was always keeping tabs on Stoke, seeing how they did every week. And um, my my dad was a keen gardener. I'd sort of keep him up to date with the scores as well. So Hmm. you'd see that Stoke would go one up or two up or equalise or whatever it be. And it just seemed to be every time Peter Thorne scored. One game, there's Chesterfield at home in the 99-2000 season. he actually scored four goals in a game. I had yes. stake on 5-0. But uh, it, it, just, it just became, um, you know, an infectious. Something you can keep the tab on. You know, knowing all of the players, the transfers. I just love football. Uh, you know, I was always playing it and uh, into it no matter what standard it would be. And it, the, same, the same can be said for me now. It's a, it's a real passion. At
0: what point did that start for you? It sounds like the auto windscreens was a big catalyst.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it very much was. Um, and I, at that point, I was in secondary school. And i just try and get, as I say, it was difficult to get to games. Mm. But where I could see the highlights, it was good. You obviously, listening to it on the radio, listening to Nigel Johnson, etc. The first home game I got to in person was actually uh, 28th of October, 2000. And um, that was a game where Stoke beat Bournemouth at home 2-1. And uh, Stoke went 2-0 up in the first 13 minutes. So oh, wow. it was more like what I wanted to see.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you got left quite early then and been quite absolutely, happy, i sure.
1: Absolutely. But there was a, a player on the pitch then, as, a, as an 18-year-old, who uh, hit the post, hit the bar and scored. And that was Jermaine Defoe.
2: Oh, Wow.
1: And uh, it, it was, I think it was the first goal he'd scored when he then went on to score in 10 successive league games. And that was a record at the time. But um, yeah, as I say, a real, real football nut, as Tony Pulis would like to say. And uh, yeah, I just, I just followed everything and everything as I got older and I could sort of, you know, get the bus up, get on the train and then eventually, you know, pass my driving test. So I've just just watched them ever since and you know i passed my driving test in 18 i'm deep into my 30s now and um yeah i get tried to get to as many games as possible which hasn't been quite possible this year due to uh circumstances (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah it's just a great passion
0: yeah it really the snowball when you're hooked in that first instance, as you said, it was around that auto windscreen time. When when Stoke do something good for me, it was Wembley. You know, I I think there's there's parallels there. I don't know at what point I was a Stoke fan, but I think once we've reached the FA Cup final and the semi final, we smashed. I think there was no going back for me at that point, and I think I started obsessing the same way that you did. So I can completely empathise <laughs> with that.
1: Absolutely. And I don't know about you, Ben, but for me, you know, it's the whole match day sort of routine and mm-hmm. everything that's involved. And obviously, I'm not, not in the local area. So for, for me, it is, you know, if I've got the tickets, it's quite a build up, up for me and I've got to, you know, travel about and whatnot. But just just seeing the fans, hearing the new songs, you know, getting involved with the singing, the banter, everything, mm-hmm. it's great. And I think... What you said about cup finals there. So I mentioned the auto-windscreens final. I also went to the playoff final 0 uh, one mm. against Brentford when they won 2-0. And ironically, that was the year that we sold both Graham Kavanagh and Peter Thornton yes, to Cardiff. Yeah. And uh, the likelihood of us going up, I didn't think was that great. But um, Sordison got us up there. But yeah, just you know, arriving in, it was Cardiff then where they, they had the playoff final. And just seeing all of the red and white yeah just being involved in the atmosphere it is it is truly sensational the the Stoke fans and um you know anyone who I talk to in Bristol they might not rate the the football maybe that we played in the Premier League too highly (laughs) but they always speak very very well of the fans and the atmosphere so uh yeah it's just it's just great for me I just it feels like being home you know
0: yeah which is weird considering it it technically isn't but it's nice that you found somewhere that that, that really is your home and that exactly. you're able to identify with yeah yeah that's that's good because not everybody finds that very quickly
1: no i, I there's got to be something there that resonates and um yeah as i'm sure we'll sort of go into you know uh, I, I started following Stokes because of my dad and uh yeah, that passion's just got um, greater and greater due to circumstance.
0: Well, that's it. So I, I was actually going to lead on to that now. So you did mention your dad. Yeah. I want to start off with like, why do you think he got you into it? Why do you think he got you into Stoke? Was it by chance? Was it just because he really wanted to get you involved so we had someone to, to go or be interested with?
1: I, I think um, very much as a, a sort of connection, as a father-son thing, uh, you know, his, uh, his dad... My granddad, he was Stoke-on-Trent, born and raised. All my family, prior to my dad's my, my dad's generation, they are all in trades in Stoke-on-Trent, you know, um, no matter what it be. And he was the first person to sort of go on to university and actually leave the area.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, my, my gran was, was actually from Waterford in, in Ireland and um, met my, my granddad um, during, during the war, actually in Watford. She was a nurse in Watford. Um, and then, obviously, she came to to live in in Stoke, and I think through through you know going to the football to the old Victoria Ground with his dad, it was something that really sort of like solidified a bond between father and son. Mm. And uh, it, it's really in the blood for me, as I've mentioned. I couldn't go to see the games every week, mm. so it's actually no matter what the football was like or what the result was, it's a real treat for me to go. Mm. And so it's always something that I've been excited about, and um, I, I think he wanted me to be into it. So there's there's memories that we could share together. But yeah, someone who would go with him as well, I guess.
0: What are some of your favourite memories with him?
1: The cup finals are, are, are massive. Yeah. Um, I think you know he was always magnanimous, whether it is a. A victory or a defeat which is a good thing as we were sort (laughs) of sharing the car with bristol city fans on occasion as i mentioned but he'd always meet up with friends from back home it's sad really because we we sort of lost i've sort of lost a bit of touch with those people um unfortunately my dad passed away in 2003 dad was a very keen sportsman never made it professional in anything but he was a good standard at everything, you know, just one of those frustrating people who had very good hand-eye coordination and, um, whatever they turned the hand to, they just were a natural ability <laughs> from the get go. So he, uh, he was sort of playing cricket and football in his early fifties. And, um, unfortunately he was, um, diagnosed with cancer and, um, passed away not too long after he was diagnosed. So it's all, a, a, obviously as you can imagine, uh, Real shock to the family and um, for me then, Stoke's sort of been where I've felt close to him, something that agnostic of religion or spirituality, I, I do genuinely feel like he's there mm. when I'm at the Games because I'm sort of, you know, with, with his people, so to speak. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a real connection and a resonation that I have with an, an affinity with the football club in the area.
0: I can imagine, Absolutely. Like, especially when he's got you into something at such a a young age that you, you are now and was then so passionate about. And it's something that, you know, losing a parent at that age, th- there'll be people listening to this podcast and they can't even begin to empathise. What sort of effect did that have on you?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was 16 when, when we heard the news. Uh, and I think mental health nowadays is something that's... Um, spoken of more freely mm. but I think as a as a young man in particular I think statistically it's proven that um, if you're going to have mental health issues or they're going to sort of arise generally when you're sort of late teens and your early 20s it's, it's quite a, um, a sensitive time so yeah to obviously lose someone who was my hero and therefore a real role model it's difficult very very difficult but um i do things now because of him Mm. um i he set me on a a really good path um taught me some what i'd like to think very good values and i tried to live by them and you know i sort of went on complete my uh, sort of education uh, because it was gcse's when he wasn't well and then lived in different parts of, of england um and wales working and um it's meant that I've been able to get to, to games and watch watch Stoke away, which has been great. But yeah, not easy, Ben, not easy. But um, when sort of the rawness goes, I, I mean, I, I think you you never get over something like that, but but you manage it. And as cheesy as it sounds, time is a healer. Yeah. And then you start thinking about things that made you happy, things that made him happy, rather than thinking how it was at the end. And um yeah. Watching the football uh, is something I knew he would have loved uh, to, to be doing with me and he would have been really pleased that I sort of carried on carried on with a fond interest in the Potters.
0: Well, exactly. I mean, you said yourself there that you used the situation, a very negative situation, to do sort of positive things. You didn't let that consume you. You, you lived the life that he would have wanted to have seen you live. And yeah. you did things that... He would have wanted to have seen you done. I'm sure, and it sounds like that this didn't have a negative impact on you. Following Stoke, you said you you sort of threw yourself into it more than ever, right?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. The difficulty is when it's not even the losses; it's the um, the application or perceived application yeah. of the players on the pitch. Because I think when you're into it at that level, and I. I you know, it isn't just for something like that to happen, for you to feel that raw emotion. I, I think when when you sort of perceive that the players aren't putting a shift in, that's what hurts. Mm. When you think things can be prevented or could do better. But yeah, it, it as you say, it's turning the negative into the positive. And I guess the negative way of looking at it would to be sh- to, to shut it all off and, and think, oh, that was something uh, in another another time, another life. Um, it reminds me too much of of dad and um, therefore I sort of want to blank it out but um, no, I, I've always tried to let it be quite the opposite and be something that, um, you know, I say keeps that connection going for me in the area given that I haven't got family up there now mm. and uh, yeah, always think of him.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised because <laughs> when you're down there and it was one of those early memories you, you had, you're going to Think of him as well. Obviously, he got you into it too, and I can see why he is a massive part of you becoming what is now a massive part of your life. Yeah. You say that he's helped you to stay connected. How did you have to adapt with him not being there anymore? Did you go with new people? Did you change the way that you approach a match day?
1: I mentioned uh, going to the the Auto Windscreens final with a neighbour across the road, and mm. um, I must say, through sort of my dad's illness, he. Uh, he was sort of a great help to our family as a whole. And he, he said to me at, at dad's funeral, he, he said, Chris, you name a, a stoke game that you want to go to and I'll take you.
2: Hmm. And
1: he drove me up and um, we watched, so this would be a 2003 season. And um, the game we were going to see was West Brom at home. We'd, gotten into the, we'd seen some of dad's friends actually because they'd been at the funeral and we were having a drink, and it sort of came through that the game had been postponed due to the wind <laughs> at the <Batani laughs> Stadium. And um, they, I think they'd even done a little bit on, on Sky Sports News showing the referee trying to kick the ball from the goal line out of the box, and he couldn't manage it. The wind <laughs> was that strong. It was blowing the ball back into the goal. So they had to call the game off, so we travelled back to Bristol. And bless him, my neighbour, he said, well, you know, this has happened, but whenever it's rearranged for, we'll go again. And it was a midweek game. And um, <laughs> by this time, West Brom had been promoted to the Premier League. But Stoke actually won. It was either 4-0 or 4-1. And I think Gifton, Noel Williams scored. I think Akin might have got a couple. And um, we we managed to get back to Bristol at 2 o'clock in the morning. <sighs> And he had to be in London the same day. So we <laughs> up, he was up three hours later at five. So <laughs> that was the first game that I saw after after Dad had passed. So, um, yeah, bless him. I, I like to thank my neighbour for that. Um, but it wasn't long after then that I'd sort of passed my driving test and I was more mobile and um, I could get up and down the motorways. Hmm. I, I'm not part of the um, sort of south um, supporters club, which I, I think I really should get into.
2: Mm.
1: So, whenever I've gone with someone, it's invariably been family or friends.
2: Mm.
1: Particularly with Stoke being in the Premier League and Bristol not having Premier League clubs, it's quite a novelty for for my mates. So, I'd always have sort of people willing mm. to come. The amount of friends I've got now that sort of have Stokers what they call their second team
2: because <laughs> they just
1: got hooked on the atmosphere. Ben you know, yeah. um, particularly that first year in the Premier League. Mm. And um, yes, they thoroughly enjoyed it. So that's how I get to games. I'd have to rope people in and, and drive them, but at least it was someone to go with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I can see why anyone you've taken down there would have been hooked the same way that any of us are. And you do sympathise with the team because of that atmosphere, because of that camaraderie. I, I guess to some extent they're almost jealous, aren't they, that, they, that their team may not do the same thing.
1: Uh, absolutely. Um I, I think there's obviously many, many football teams that y- you can follow, but it is something absolutely that sets Stoke apart. And um, that unity from the terraces through the team, everyone pulling in the same direction. I think Tony Pulis used to t- touch on it a lot, uh, saying how it, how important it is and uh, couldn't agree more. And um, hopefully we're getting, getting that back now with Michael O'Neill.
2: Well, I
0: hope so. Absolutely, absolutely so. But you said you threw yourself into Stoke and you went to many games and you went down with many people. I'm going to ask you about your best experiences following Stoke. I know for sure what one of them is, and it's not one that we've heard on this podcast before, Uh, but I don't know whether you've got any others or if you want to dive straight into that
2: one.
1: I think one of my, uh, one of the best games that I've seen, definitely. I I won't start with the one you're leading to, Ben. Um, (laughs) It, but it, it's a it's a similar club we'll, we'll find out why, but um my now wife, the first game that I went to her with, was Liverpool at home, Stephen Gerrard's last game mm-hmm. when we won six one. yeah everything just clicked there. everything that I'd like to see in a Stoke team, power pace, you know, breaking through the lines, you know no shortage of skill, football in triangles, good use of width and you know sort of solid and solid in defense um so that was a that was an exceptional game um hopefully that won't be the pinnacle in my lifetime but do you know what if it is what a game (laughs) uh and um my wife who isn't into football she was um she was sort of mildly impressed, and I, <laughs> and I thought, right, well, if, if you're mildly at pre- impressed at that, I better not take you to any more stages. No, no, I think not, I things. think
0: you don't top that, do you? As you said, you <laughs> like, might not top that again. So that,
1: that, that sets the uh, that sets the bar, and um, but the yeah the the game I think you were alluding to. I um I actually applied. I don't know if the, the listeners will remember this. There, there was. Uh, sort of comms out to the Stoke supporters through the Stoke official website asking for people if they'd like to take part in one of the Bet365 adverts. And yeah. I think there's been a couple. Um, and I think it was the second one. So I saw I applied f- for it and, um, I haven't just got sort of a face for for radio, Ben, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're better than this podcast, right?
1: (laughs) Well, my mum would like to think so anyway. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I applied for for this and um, took a day off work, drove up to Stoke on my own and uh, met with with other other Stokeys who'd sort of applied as well. And just the whole day was fantastic. I uh, obviously... Meeting the people, uh, not knowing anyone, it's kind of first day at school sort of vibe. But yeah. uh, having that real common interest and passion in the football club, just start talking, um, you know, to, to everyone about it. And um, you just feel like very connected early on. So, yeah, we had a great day sort of do, doing the filming and um, blink if you miss it. But you can see me on, on the advert when it came out at the time. <laughs> um, also what they did it was it was February the first and it was freezing and I know I know at the what's now the bet three six five it's a bit cold up there, but this day was cold. Um, so we'd sort of done um, the filming in the concourses and then we got a bit uh, actually in, in the ground. Stoke were playing Everton at home and they'd obviously picked this particular day for, for recording. And it's when uh, Peter Crouch scored his um, 100th Premier League goal, and nah. it just really capped off what was a fantastic day, meeting new people and sort of being fully immersed in the club. So yeah, that that was a special day for me.
0: I can imagine it was, and it's you know, I said it's something that a lot of Stoke fans won't have even considered doing before or wouldn't even known you can do. So, and I've always thought, are they are they real Stoke fans? And then I've seen the advert that you said that you got yourself involved with you, you know it, Is there any stoke fans out there that they want to get involved with i just assumed yeah. that they put any old tom dick in a stoke shirt and asked him to cheer but it's nice that they've actually got some true stoke fans together and and made a whole day out of it can you sort of take me through that day of filming step by step and like yeah. just 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 ha- what it was like
1: yeah of course i can so um I, I think it was about 12 o'clock about noon they wanted us up to uh, the bet 365 just off of the south car park they parked up like right, vans and and units uh for sort of the the, the camera crews and and whatnot and you just sort of went in you get registered and then they sat us in this old sort of london bus that they had on site that they parked up hmm. this was one of the red buses and we sort of sat there and sort of started talking while they sort of gathered everyone together they put some lunch on for us as well which was lovely and it was um free tickets to the game as well so it did have its perks
0: yeah i bet
1: and as you say it was great because the vast majority of people there were stoke fans but the main guy that they had for the advert and was sort of like using his phone and placing the bets was an actor stroke model that oh, they bought. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. And uh, he, he got paid for it. And he actually, um, I think, much to his regret, let slip how much he was being paid for the game. <gasps> and the fans, honestly, it was all good humoured, but they didn't let him forget it. Oh. They gave him a ribbon all day long. So <laughs> uh, <not. laughs> he took it in good humour as well. Yeah so then we we sort of do this filming going from the car park to the front of the the bet 365 and it was great because we sort of went through the day and as it got dark you know we did bits of the light bits in the dark um sort of milling around the concourse and they sort of had the the cameramen come through the crowd of of stoke supporters in the concourse a lot of waiting as a waiting around as you can imagine but in between, you know, it's good because we had drinks, we had some foods. Um, but yeah, good banter all day and um, it just seemed to fly by. Even though we were on our feet all day, it didn't seem to be a, a slow day. It went very fast. And um, then the best bit, obviously, was getting into, it, into the ground where we all sat together. Mm. And um, we had to, when we got into the ground, they got us to pretend that a goal had been scored. Oh, God. <laughs> I, the first one we did, you know wasn't too loud in a sort of cheering and um, they sort of cut it almost straight away and reflected that back to us. They said, you know you've got be you've got to be louder. So we, we sort of uh, cleared the throats and um, and just as we're sort of letting off this roar as if a goal had gone in, Ronald Koeman and a couple of the Everton players came out of the dugout <laughs> and the goal, he sort of jumped out of his skin. And um, made some comment along the lines of, you know, the Stoke, Stoke haven't lost their atmosphere and, you know, being sort of uh, a bit anxious whilst being in the tunnel, which, uh, you know, was all good fun. Oh, man. So, um, yeah, that was a bit weird to impersonate uh, or um, I should say uh, celebrate a goal when when it wasn't happening. But, um, yeah, later on we could celebrate an actual goal, which was Peter Crouch's 100th. So, uh... And
0: I bet you celebrated that more than the pretend goal. Because I was going <laughs> to say, it must be quite weird. Goal celebrations are so uh, natural and organic. Like, I think back to when I've celebrated a goal, and there's things <laughs> that I've done in a goal celebration that I would never do in regular life. How how on earth do they expect you to replicate that in an artificial format?
1: Well, this is it. I don't think. I don't know if it's just a Stoke thing, but the amount of times that I've been to games and whomever I've come with, who's a friend, I've turned the other way and grabbed someone, <laughs> scored a goal. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just football, eh? but um, yeah, certainly there was none of that going on. No. <laughs> with, with the initial goal, but uh, yeah, it is. Um, it's weird because it's just an emotional release, isn't it? And I think with with goals, you've got whether it's a penalty or it's from open play, you've got that little bit of an inclination that a goal could happen. Mm. Um, So, you know, whether it looks like a dangerous attack or you've got a set piece and then the emotion just comes out and you you have a mental or whatever it may be. (laughs) And yeah, very hard to replicate. So I don't think they quite Quarter and I don't think that they use that as part of the advert because what what amazes me with this these things is the amount that is recorded and the actual amount that they use and it was minuscule the amount they yeah, use compared yeah. to what they recorded so um I, I think imagine. they got they got the real goal and um, could see the passion of the Stoke supporters
0: yeah. It's, it's not like this podcast where pretty much everything gets used I promise you we don't cut much out from this bad um, <laughs> boy but, but yeah I can, I can imagine how like like they're waiting for the perfect moment the golden shot to use in the advert and yeah I can imagine that they have to spend days and days to get that but yeah. I, I guess they, they do make that more authentic by treating you to a day out I suppose I can see why if they were all just actors you, you know to be acting very sterile over it and it's nice that we're that they were able to to treat you you said that you were with loads of like-minded stoke fans possibly for one of the first times where you're able to engage in a big group of stoke fans like that right
1: yeah yeah outside of people who i immediately know yeah as, you know my dad's friends absolutely and the, there was people from all over all over the place and there was one particular chap that i got talking to from from kent's as you, as you know uh, sort of filming all day then having a night game finishes quite late you've got to get off the car park and then get back home mm. so it was a long long trip for me back to Bristol and I'm sure a long trip for him back to Kent Ugh. but you hit the nail on the head because it was Stoke fans Bet365 or the marketing company didn't have to spend much to get people along because yeah. they do it for free mm gladly took a day off off work to be involved and um didn't matter what time i was getting back couldn't care less to be part of something like that with like-minded people as you say was uh just a great opportunity and dad always said to me you know uh got to apply yourself in life you've got plenty of opportunities and um if you don't if you don't go for it you won't get it
0: well i was, I was just going to say the same thing you said the words right out my mouth if you don't ask you don't get for that sort of exactly. thing and it's just something that are not a lot of people would experience or, or go for, and I and I'd hope that anybody you know listening now would act, would absolutely do that. If you had a chance, would you do it again?
1: Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Every time. Every time. Yeah. Well, there Definitely. you go. Definitely. And I, I would really encourage people. I'm an outgoing person. Full mm. stop. I sort of have to be be with work, but naturally, I am. Even so. You were just treated so well there at the time. It was so welcoming. Uh, I really would recommend it. And um, you know, I made I made a joke about <laughs> the sort of a face for radio, but they weren't look. They honestly, they weren't looking for anything sort of specific. <laughs> uh, they weren't. <laughs> I'd like to think I'm special, but I'm not. So, oh, bless. yeah. Long story short, go for it go for it and um I, you wouldn't regret it
0: no i'm sure no next time they come up i'll consider taking one of my day's holiday to see whether i can do something like that because well yeah. you said it's they didn't pay you sure but i mean you had a hell of a day out to do it so smashing yeah really good I anything bet.
1: to see crouch you do the robot again
0: oh yeah, yeah. oh man i Remenance. think I, I must have been there for that goal but he scored at the other end, so I sit in block 28, which is nearer the and end, and yeah. he, of course, scored in front of the away fans.
1: You're right, absolutely.
0: And, yeah, yeah I, I, I pretty much, I didn't miss him do his celebration, but it took me quite a while to see that that was what he was actually doing. I, I was like, oh, 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 he's doing the right, and he stopped.
1: God damn Yeah, because <laughs> we were sat sort of um, adjacent to him, so um, we were actually in, in the Franklin stand by the tunnel, Mm. Um, so sort of yeah, adjacent to the uh, to the box. Um, so we could see when the ball had sort of gone out left to Arnie, and um, you know he sort of picked his head up, good ball in, and uh, slid home. Pandemonium. Pandemonium, and it was all recorded.
2: <laughs> yeah, I bet
0: <laughs> they wished they'd have recorded that celebration, instead. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
2: oh man,
0: I'd so, say, well, there's a question with you living away and not being able to see every Stoke game you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Is there a game where you've really regretted not going? Maybe you've had the chance to go, but you just said, ah, nah, I won't yeah. go to that one. And then you've been like, oh, god damn it, we we won or we did this or this happened.
1: It's a great question, Ben. We didn't have this plans to talk about, but I am glad no. you brought this up because, um, yeah, I like to tell a story. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, the FA Cup final, mm. I, I was saying about... Um, my, my parents sort of meeting in Liverpool coming down to Bristol well my mum I, I said sort of they were united fans through where they live but my mum is, act- is actually from Bolton mm. so the semi-final of the FA Cup of course was Stoke Bolton <laughs> and yeah who who will ever forget that game which went um,
0: hilariously well
1: <laughs> yes yeah and, and the amount of times I hear Stoke- Stokeys talk about that game saying even at 3-4-0 up they still thought they could <laughs> make it up through Stoke style yeah but um yeah, I, d- I didn't unfortunately get to that game and therefore I didn't, didn't get to the final because I think you probably would have needed to have gone to the semi-final to be guaranteed the tickets for the final. Mm-hmm. But I was in between uni and starting, starting oh, work and I went travelling. This is mad. My best mate from uni is South African and he said after university, I'm going to drive from London to Cape Town. Oh, and I said your mental. <laughs> Driving all the way through Europe, down sort of through the Middle East and into Africa that way.
2: Oh my god! And I god. didn't.
1: I didn't join him for all of it, but I flew. Fully- <laughs> <laughs> Even for me, I mean, I, I'm. I'd say I'm a fairly risky person, you know, live life on the edge. Um, but for me, it was too. It was too much. So he, w- he was an expat from South Africa, lived in London. Mm sort of lived, lived here. He's actually out in Dubai now, of all places. He, he undertook this, this adventure. Uh, I went, flew out and I joined him in Uganda. And the day of the cup final, we'd gone out with a load of expats um, to a sailing club in Kampala, which is um, Uganda's capital. I actually managed to get the FA Cup final game on on a screen no. in, in Uganda, and we watched it out there. There was about forty people who, at the beginning of the game, weren't Stoke fans, but they were come the end, and it, memorable for me. You know, really missed out on the, on the final itself. Mm. You know, and and talking to my daddy, he, he talks about the seventy one and seventy two semi finals against Arsenal, mm. whether we'd ever get to a, a FA Cup final. So yeah, gutted I wasn't there, but I did have the sort of travel plans and um, managed to watch it in a, in a setting and I, I wouldn't have predicted I would have done.
2: No, oh,
0: you're right. I didn't have that written down. Holy hell, what a story. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, watching the FA Cup from Uganda. Well, I, I guess the FA Cup is, is such a global phenomenon. I think it's one of the most watched sporting events in the world and I guess... Stoke were part in that it must have been quite weird like you must have been the only f- fan there
1: yeah I, I mean as i say it was shared with an expat community but they were more into the sailing than football yeah
0: yeah yeah um, and
1: there wasn't any man city fans there no um but of course the, the sort of the ugandan natives they they uh you know would f- closely follow the african players so of course yaya toure scored yes um but they were delighted. Yeah, everyone <laughs> see DeLap and Crouch. Everyone knew them. So at the time, yeah. obviously Crouch he wasn't playing, but um, you know it was Stoke long throw. Oh yeah, wow. <laughs> it's 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 mad that they knew us for that though. Yeah, It's the reach of the Premier League, isn't it? I mean the uh, where it's shown across the world that reach that they've got, and um, yeah, you, Uganda um, sounds bad, this, but I mean it with with the right intent. The, the uh, a lot of countries in Africa are are developed like very developed, and I think for, fortunately for them they sort of get things like the sports free to air, which mm. is which is great, um, and they can watch our Saturday games at three o'clock,
2: hmm.
1: um, which I know we've been able to do sort of through through lockdown, but um, mm-hmm. ordinarily they're able to do it. So yeah, there's keen following.
0: Blimey, me? You you wouldn't even think that there'd be Stoke fans in Africa, but I know there is actually. I know off social media and and, and the other ways. There's there's sports clubs in Africa. And...
1: Yeah, and I think um, I think Mama and um, Salif Dial. Of course, you know, that will help quite a few things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, actually, yeah. I remember Nazri Johnson talking about Sir uh, Stanley Matthews down in a village down in Africa, and they all knew oh. Stoke books as Stanley Matthews, and you just think, wow, like it even goes back that far. It's
1: incredible, isn't it?
0: Yeah. We're a proper big club. Don't let anyone else tell you different. <laughs> okay, so just before we move on to the Files FC, I know from what you told me off air that speaking of random connections in random places, I know that you have a few. You definitely told me three, but it sounds like you may have many more as well. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just going to let you take away these, these wonderful and weird connections that you have to some, well, stokesy people, I guess
1: yeah um bristol uh there's a lot i'd say in bristol obviously you've got your two clubs bristol city bristol rovers none of which been in the premier league um i think bristol city are probably a solid championship club now um they've obviously been a bit streaky with when lee johnson was in charge but um the ground is cracking now in bristol it's really good ground mm. um so i I, th- I think you know when you Teams like Port, um, Bournemouth going up um, and teams like Swansea, you, you think, why not? So I, I do hope, sort of, you know, in Bristol, we, we will uh, get a team in the Premier League because it'd be great. Like Stoke, it'd be great for the area. But yeah, not a lot of Bristol City, Bristol Rovers fans, mainly supporting clubs, sort of Arsenal and you know, the, the Manchester clubs. But you do from time to time find these connections and it's really strange really strange i mean my mum's house is just off Stoke Lane in Bristol that's <laughs> one thing oh, uh, and i know my dad hadn't planned that when they moved into the house and they've been there for for 30 odd years oh, sh- but yeah specifically to your point so at my work i was on a-, a course last year around leadership and um trying to get you know talent sort of up up the ladder and um there was an event that we had, which is speed networking with, with seniors within the company. There was this particular manager, leader at work who I, I just seemed to, just in a short period of time, you just know when you get on with someone. I just got that feeling. I got that vibe about this particular person. Mm-hmm. So I, I was looking for sort of a bit of guidance in my work. So I reached out to him after said event and asked him if he wouldn't mind doing a bit of mentoring for me to which he, he was happy to do so. Very busy chat, but happy to do so. Uh, and in our first session, we, we sort of did a bit of a an icebreaker, I guess. And so he was he was asking me about, you know, what's your passion? So I went through the boring stuff, boring passions that were work-related. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he said, Chris, what's your real passion? <laughs> uh, not long after he'd asked me that question, Stoke came up in my answer. And um, he said, oh, I know someone, a big supporter of Stoke City. I oh, said, so go on. And he said, Nello. <sighs> I said, what, as in, as in Neil Baldwin, Nello? Because I couldn't believe it when he said it. I just wanted <laughs> to check check him. And he said, yeah, I went and studied at, at Keele University. And I used to room with Nello. And I also played for Neil Baldwin FC.
2: Oh, my God.
1: And you just cannot believe it what's the chances yeah and so then obviously we got into the conversation about marvelous and everything and um yeah the mentoring has gone really well since i so can imagine it has i like, imagine you're both quite engaged yeah <laughs> absolutely sort of with that with that commonality so that was one the second one i'd mention is uh my brother he went to cardiff uni had a great time over there, but came back to Bristol to to work, uh, and he's been working for the same company for for many years now. Uh, really, since he came out of uni and worked his way up. Each year, it's a it's a sort of a, a small company, a, a SME, and um, each year to reward the staff, the MD takes the 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 staff away um, for sort of a, a weekend away from Bristol. Um, you know, sort of staying in lodges or camping or whatever it may be. And uh, on this particular occasion, the MD brought along one of his friends. This friend uh, Will had got talking to quite soon on, I think, through the accent and through conversation. Will, my brother, had established that the person he was talking to was um, Adrian Oldfield, uh, who who runs the Tollgate Hotel, Mm. Stoke-on-Trent who I know has got sort of connections within the club and um, has been involved in the Supporters' Council. Mm. So just through Will talking to, to Aid about, um, you know, Stoke City and how passionate I was and sort of my story behind things, Aid said, oh, you know, you, you must get your brother to get in touch, which, again, with like the Bet365 advert opportunity, mm. I thought, right, I will get in touch. Big thanks to Aid because he, he managed to, to get me uh, along to a game, we, we it was Swansea at home in the Premier League, which we won two one, and it was a Sunday game, and it was being covered by Five Live. And I, I saw Danny Mills after the game actually, and he was a he was a bit of a misery. Saw <laughs> um, other folk as well. He'd, he'd managed to um, Aidan managed to get me uh, in to see sort of the man of the match at the end of the game when they used to do it, and um, met Charlie Adam. Which was good, and that day he was man of the match because he scored a penalty. Uh, unlike the one against Brighton, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in our relegation season, and and a, and a stadium tour as well. So that was fantastic through another contact. And then lastly, I, I was um, I was talking to my my mum prior to sort of filming this, recording it, I should say, with you, uh, with you Ben, and saying that I was going to do a podcast and she said to me in a broad Lancastrian accent, who wants to listen to you? <laughs> I <laughs> you know, water off a duck's back with me because, you know, uh, we do have some good banter. Yes. And I, I said, well, actually, some fairly prestigious people have been on this particular podcast. So mm. Of course, Ben, they've got a very good anchor man. so I sort of Oh,
0: please, please, don't, don't. You're flattering <laughs> me.
1: <laughs> don't blush on radio. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, I said, you know, I said, Nigel Johnson's been on it, Mum, you know, Sentinel, The Voice, blah, blah, blah. And I said, and also, you know, Angela Smith's been on it. And she said, Angela Smith, I know that name. <laughs> and then I sort of said about Angela's background, like, you know, the Supporters Council. And she said, no, I know it from something else. And then I spoke about the squash background as yeah. well. And um, apparently, completely unbeknownst to me, somehow my dad's new Ange, I think they were probably – sort of similar age, um, maybe went to school together. Not quite sure. She had a, um, a squash tournament in Bristol one weekend and uh, dad and mum went out with her for a, for a meal in Bristol. Oh, wow. And I mean, I'd love to get in contact with Ange or sort of reach out and because um, my mum only sort of had little bits of the, the puzzle. She couldn't complete the full picture. Mm. So another connection. It's, it's just unbelievable. Considering how
0: far away you are, from Stoke City and the amount of connections that you managed to have with, like well, you say, some some important people who've done a lot of good things for Stoke City.
1: Yeah. Just, yeah, good people. Good people. <sighs> done a lot, as you say. Yeah. it, Yeah. It's it just crazy. shows that
0: we're everywhere, doesn't it? Uh,
1: it? It does. And and you also start to think, uh, this can't just be coincidence. All <laughs> time, you know, and um, regardless of sort of, I don't know, religious beliefs or spirituality, it's uh, It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's really weird, but um gives you that, that feeling of connection again and sort of warmth and, uh, yeah. yeah, fantastic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, well, you mentioned sort of, uh, like, is it spirituality? And to some degree, maybe I do believe everything happens for a reason. I don't know why to some extent, but I think that's more of a term of nothing's necessarily meant to be, but things happen because of the things you do. And you being extroverted and getting involved with you were talking to your mum about this podcast and you were talking to your mentor at work about stoke and it is because you throw yourself into these things like the bet365 advert like just stoke city in general The, the more you throw yourself into something the the more reward i believe anyway and from my personal experience you get out of it and it's fair play to you for throwing yourself into a passion which you could have quite easily derailed once your dad had sadly passed you could have quite easily let that go by the wayside You said but you didn't you plowed on through it perhaps in his memory and look all the good things you've had come out through it so i yeah absolutely yeah i think it's fantastic and fair play for you carrying on all the way through that and like i say look at all the good things you've been able to experience through it as well
1: yeah thank you ben uh another against rework work. I've only watched one game at Old Trafford and hmm. I, actually, I actually sat in the home end, but yeah. hear me out on this. No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> Don't give me too much of a ribbon that <laughs> I'm fans. The particular project that I was working on in Swansea, within this project there was subcontractors who were sort of doing building work within the office um, uh, that, that we uh, sort of inhabited at the time. And um, this particular company had season tickets to Old Trafford, which they would ordinarily, you know, take clients to, to games and um, open that up as a bit of a, a sweetener to business and stuff. And um, I was chatting to these guys, and again, early on in conversation, into football, it was when, um, I think it was the Euro 20, what would it be, 2010? Oh, 12, because I think... 12, sorry, 12. Yeah, yeah shows how good my maths is 12 <laughs> chatting away. I'd, I'd said that I was a Stoke fan and they mentioned these season tickets at Old Trafford. So they said, what we'll do is we'll check whether there's a get, you know, when, uh, if we've got any clients going to the Stoke game, fortunately they didn't. And I managed to take my brother, myself and my uncle. Before, my uncle is a Man United fan but took them to the game. And it's when um, Stoke, it was 4-2 to, to United and uh, I mean, Mike, Michael Kitely scored in that game. But again, just through conversation with people, managed to get free tickets. It was on the halfway line at Old Trafford. Oh. From an atmospheric perspective, obviously, yeah. I'd rather have been with Stoke fans, but it's another great day, you know. And um, it, it just shows, you know, Absolutely, been many many occasions when I can talk about Stoke, and depending on why you follow football and who you follow, I could get an absolute ribbon <laughs> for it because I'm a minority, and some people see Stoke as a dirty team, long ball, cloggers, etc., yeah. yes. etc. Cetera, et cetera. But um, other people, you know, and, and and mentioning it and and being proud of you know w- what you like and what your passions are, it can open lots of
0: lots of doors yeah it absolutely can and I'm sure that you'll continue to do that and and at this rate you might have to come back for a second go with even more stories at this rate (laughs)
2: um
0: you mentioned the fact that you thought that I was gonna have a go at you for being in the home end at Old Trafford I must confess I've only been to Old Trafford once as well and that was also in the home end my friend Zach has been on this podcast before he had a friend who went to uni he was able to get Man United tickets and we got three and Old all, Trafford all is just such a wonderful stadium. You, you know, oh. just those massive columns that prop up the overhanging parts of the stadium. It, it just, when you walk into it, you, you know, I don't have any affinity towards Manchester United, but that stadium really no, is
1: top draw, isn't it? it. Yeah, it's, yeah.
0: It's top yeah. draw. The only thing that soured the day for me is that, well, two things. One, the atmosphere was absolutely god awful and I would not swap a season ticket at Manchester United for a season ticket at Stoke regardless of whether I was a fan of either the atmosphere down Stoke even on a bad day is tenfold than it is at Manchester United and I'm not just saying that my second point of why it's out of the day was because we lost 3-0 and that was the season that we got relegated but (laughs) (laughs) like just they were 3-0 up and it was like a museum like I say, I wouldn't trade the Stoke atmosphere for Old Trafford's... Like, I'm sure that Old Trafford has its good days and I'm sure that they probably sing louder than us but I think there's something a bit more raw about being down at Stoke Ground. And yeah. And I wouldn't change that, absolutely.
1: No, agreed. Uh, I think it's, you know, like most things in football, you always get a good away crowd with a, a hardcore um, who, who are, you know, generate a good atmosphere. Yeah. But as I said the stoke atmosphere at home is what sets us apart
0: absolutely right then i think because we've been going for an hour now i think it's time for a break chris um, okay i've not done this on this podcast before but we are genuinely going to go for a break i never thought i'd say this um <laughs> well, then, so so what what do all the presenters say Anton, zach come back after the for, oh god, that no, I I can't do that. I'll see in a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think Jeff Stelling says as uh, it, part of um, Soccer Saturday, we'll be back in forty seconds. We'll be back in forty them.
0: seconds. We'll be back in however long it takes for me to put a mid roll together. Let's see. Go on, like like <laughs> like. I'll I'll be back in X amount of time. Let's see, and uh, see you in a bit. <laughs> Hey up guys, so I'm going to use this break in proceedings to give you a few mid-roll updates. The first of those being that if you've kept an eye on the website, I've announced a partnership uh, with Fanhub. For those of you that don't know, Fanhub is a startup who are launching an app which intends to reward fans for being engaged with a football club. Hopefully, in your case, that's Stoke City. I have wrote a piece on the website, the which explains the partnership more, there's a podcast on the way with FanHub so that everything is laid out transparently regarding the partnership, but long story short, they're promoting me, I'm promoting them, we're sharing knowledge and skills with between each other, and that's genuinely it, it's business as usual for the foreseeable future, and most importantly, the wwwwiywifiles retains the entirety of its own control. Having said that, there's a link in the description to Fanhub's website if you fancy getting early access to their app, and I genuinely recommend you go take a look. You know, these guys found the YYY files, partially because of you guys, of course, and they love the content that you guys are producing here. I think they've got your best interests at heart, and they want YYY to grow and evolve as much as themselves. The second update I've got is that I have put my name forward for the Stoke City Supporters' Council elections. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, Stoke City have a Supporters' Council, which acts as a bridge between the fans' voice and the Stoke City board. They've driven lots of changes from frozen season ticket prices, free away travel, all the options presented to us to keep us engaged during the pandemic regarding season tickets, what have you, and streams. And I've put my name forward for this year's elections. And I've done that because, partially because of this platform. I think I'm in a unique position here where I hear a lot of your guys' opinions regarding what you wanna see next from Stoke. And I wanna utilize those as best I can and communicate them directly to the club. I also think with my experience professionally through the podcast and just through my ways of thinking that I can take those opinions and help with the board to conjure up solutions rather than just regurgitate complaints to them plus as you know i absolutely love stoke and our wonderful fan base which of course is you guys i want to help out in making our match day experience the absolute best it can be so if you want to vote and you have a supporters id which is the little number on the back of your membership card you don't need a season ticket or anything like that you just need a supporters id if you're not sure you can i think ring the ticket office and they give you it If you've got those things and you want to vote, you can vote in the election right now using the link in the description of this podcast. Voting closes at 5pm on Friday the 18th of September. Of course this year, I'm recording in 2020. There's plenty of worthy candidates up there and I wouldn't be offended if you voted for any of those and not myself. But if you do feel that you'd like to see me represent your opinions and allow me to help turn them into real change at Stoke, I'd be delighted if you voted for me. Finally, I'm going to be a busy boy this season. You know that on this podcast, we rarely touch on current events for Stoke City, but you can find me in places that will be doing this season. I'll be contributing to the Second Tier podcast, which is a fan-made podcast dedicated to the latest goings on in the championship. They've asked for views directly from fans this season, and they've asked me to be Stoke's representative. (laughs) Again, like Fan Hub and the Supporters Council, that's because of you guys. Uh, So thank you very much for engaging with this platform and and getting involved in whatever way you have been doing or have done. If you want to hear how I feel about Stoke City's championship season as the year progresses, you can hear me on there throughout the season. That's on top of a load of places that I'm sure I'll be on the season as well, Sky Sports, Radio Stoke. Other Stoke City platforms, perhaps even those from other clubs too, doing previews and other other collaborations like that. If you're interested, keep an eye on at the YYY files on social media, and I'll be sure to post if my voice has been shared elsewhere. That's it. That's all the updates I've got for you now. There may be a couple more in the not so distant future, but I will keep you guys updated. I've redone the whole website so there's a new updates bit on there now so it might be worth checking out from time to time I'll post them on social media as well of course if there's any news but that's that's about it I'll I'll, I'll let you get back to this wonderful podcast with Chris I think he's doing amazingly so far and trust me I I think it gets better right so uh, that's 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 break over. Welcome back. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what to do now. Chris is still here. Hi, mate. yeah. <laughs> that was horrible. Maybe if I do this break format again, I'll actually come up with something to say. Because, yeah. that. Sorry, everyone. Let's just move on to the Files FC. So, Chris, this is your ultimate Stoke team of past and present. Ideally, this is one goalkeeper and then two each of centre-back, four back full back midfielder, winger and striker. If you could give a reason for each one that you name that'd be fantastic. Uh, votes that are counted with each podcast they go towards the main Files FC which can be found at the website. Uh, you can nominate subs if you'd like as honourable mentions but of course they don't get votes. So I know that this is a team that you put together that is not just in homage to you it's perhaps in homage to your dad as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing the blend of players that we're going to get here. So starting with goalkeeper, away you go please, mate.
1: I've broken the mould slightly here, Ben, so I hope you don't uh, don't hate me too much. Oh, so to many people have broken the rules.
0: do don't even worry about it, mate.
1: Well, I was looking at a 3-5-2, oh. I'll go through it anyway. So <laughs> goalkeeper, Gordon Banks, um, nice. as you said, sort of a blend between... Who I think my dad would have put in his all-time Stoke eleven up until the, to the point he passed, and um, who I would have in. So Gordon Banks in goal, undisputed best goalkeeper of all time, put Stoke on the map. I think with Sustan, easy choice for me there. Three centre backs. Here we go. Here we go. First one Neil Franklin, and I think you know listening to Angie's podcast, uh, it's been said before about. The fact that if Neil Franklin had remained in England, remained playing for Stoke, you know, Billy Wright probably wouldn't have gotten into the England team, who's, uh, you know, he, he's seen as a, a Wolves and England legend before Neil Franklin went to Bogota in Colombia. So he's one of my centre backs. Second centre back I'd have is Ryan Shawcross, uh, club legend. So this is my choice. Um, and I think, you know, he's been the constant through the most successful time um stoke have had that i've been supporting them mm-hmm. certainly um obviously came to us as a teenager sort of really grew into it maybe not the most uh vocal of captains but you know assumed the role and a model pro so i definitely have ryan in there mm-hmm. and then my third centre back would be dennis smith uh rock solid hard as nails according to my dad you know and he's still got a real affiliation with the car club dennis smith so uh for that reason, I'd have him in. Mm-hmm. Then moving on to defensive midfielder, uh, and in this role, I'd have Steven and Zonzi. I think, you know, we've really, uh, as we sort of had our demise in the Premier League, I think we really missed him and we didn't replace him. It's sort of a Rolls-Royce of a play, you know, really broke up the play, got us on the front foot, broke through the lines either with his vision of passing or uh, dribbling powerfully with the ball. And my two centre midfielders, I'd have Jimmy Greenoff, who uh, scored in both FA Cup semi-finals against Arsenal. What a volley. One of the goals he scored. And paired with him would be Alan Hudson. And I saw this stat that when he was, he, you know, he's great being paired with Greenoff, but Alan Hudson missed one game in 162. Oh, wow. And he was part of a team that was 23 games undefeated, which is still a record for Stoke. So definitely have Alan Hudson in there. To the wingers, right wing. And so I always associate Stoke with wingers. Uh, I think my dad always did. So Stanley Matthews on the right. Um, no surprises there. Put Stoke on the map with Banks. Best player ever, I guess, to, to have played football in a Stokey's view, in a, in a biased Stokey's view. And keep your Messies and your George Bests et cetera in your hmm. place. Uh, So I'd have Stan in there. Left wing, I'd have Arnie. Potentially contentious, but for me, you know, he, he was a, a class. Again, another player that was a class apart, like and Zonzi, sort of in our Premier League years. Uh, just the sheer upper strength, how he could hold off a man, and really gave the opposition something to think about with his pace. So he can come short, go in behind. Just the, the power of his running, uh, I think, uh, is something that we've missed. The amount of joy that he used to get from an assist. I think Mark Hughes commented on the fact that he wished he'd score more goals and get as much joy from goals as he would as assists. But uh, yeah, he'd go inside, outside, both feet. Great player. Shame it ended the way it did, really. Yeah. And then two strikers up front. The first one is Ricardo Fuller. The only person I've ever heard say that his real joy in football is to bamboozle defenders. (laughs) What a phrase. But he really did. Uh, And, you know, he was the difference in the promotion season and could easily have played a whole career in the Premier League if it wasn't for his knee injuries, really. And I had a a Preston North End mate um, who used to, when they bought um, Fuller off Hearts, he used to rave about them and he was convinced Preston were going to go up and I... I couldn't really argue with them at the time because Preston were better better place to go into the Premier League than Stoke. But of course, uh, yeah, it was us who went up with Ricardo Fuller. And second striker, maybe a surprise. I spoke a lot about Peter Thorne before, mm. but I'm actually going to go with Mark Steen. Ooh. Yeah. Because of the Coca-Cola Cup and those the goals against Man United, and uh, I mentioned Thorn's records. And of course, when I was getting into Stoke, Kavanagh, Thorn, to an extent, Arnage and Laugson were were the players that I really liked. But um, Mark Steen, fifty goals in eighty-nine games for Stoke, class, class player. So that was my that's my starting eleven. That
0: is your starting eleven, indeed. You warned us that there was going to be a bit of. Bub- a bit of a blend. And, uh, yeah. well, you didn't disappoint, did you? There really yeah. is a sort of 70s slash noughties, tens vibe in there, isn't there? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And I'm assuming you've got a subs bench as well.
1: I have. Way too many to put in the first 11. <laughs> but I'll go through them. So from the Premier League years, Tommy Sorensen, Robert Huth, Rory Dillap, Bo and a player who um, I think my dad saw sort of towards the end of his life, who... At the time, was definitely a class apart in that division and was only there through injury. Peter Hoekstra, loved him. And the hat-trick against Reading, I'll always remember. But yeah, such a tricky player. Obviously, played in Euro 96 against England in that that game where England beat Holland 4-1. Hmm. Uh, obviously, played for Ajax, great player. Uh, John Walters, Peter Thorne gets in there. Peter Crouch for putting us on the map his 100 goals and 46 of which was uh, from his head. Not all for Stoke, I know, but again, another record. And then last but not least, John Ritchie, who I know would make most people start in 11s.
0: Well, I mean, you say that. John Ritchie's not come off perhaps as many times as the top goalscorer for Stoke City should do on this podcast. But then, I guess, different ears, right? So it is difficult to pick someone you've not seen for a lot of people.
1: I concur, yeah. Again,
0: a strong team and... (laughs) You can't make arguments for any... Well... I, I, go on. <laughs> I think perhaps Gianelli and Bula from Tom Thorough's podcast, perhaps he's oh, the that. only one you go, what
1: the... That was a bit out there. <laughs> <laughs> Each to their own. straight yeah. and folks and all that. <laughs>
0: Bloody hell, Tom. All right. But yes, like as ever, a strong team. Can't argue, won't argue. God, I, I'd hate to think if I do mine one day who I'd put in there. I, I, just, oh, So many people have so many good ideas for being able to slot different players in. and It's horrible because then I think, oh, I could put this player in here and that player in there. And I think, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. I'm breaking my own rules here. That,
1: Am I allowed to break my own rules? Of course you are. You, you run the show.
0: I do um, run the show. I, I, I literally run the show.
1: I think for me, yeah. I, I Trying to find a right back and a left back. You go with the likes of, you know, Pejic, et cetera. For me, growing up, I, I, there wasn't too many that, um, that were really, you know, standout players for me in those roles. And I think, you know, obviously left-back has been a problem for us in recent times. I think sort of growing up, we had, for me, John Halls as a right-back, the guy we got from Arsenal. <laughs> he, he wasn't a bad player. Carl Huffkins, of course had his falling out with tony pulis but yeah was a crown favorite clive clark at left back we've had him and uh, i think probably the next best thing then you, you are looking at eric peters so mm. uh of course dick owen and wilco were legends being being local players but um yeah i'm i'm pleased with my team i think they could give any uh any team a good game
0: you'd like to think so i mean there's some pretty talented players in there I mean we'll never get to see more players we never do with the Files FC but yeah I like the Files FC just just random names come out from nowhere and you don't even mm-hmm. think they're coming love it
1: like G and Elian Bula like G and Elian Bula <laughs> yes
0: indeed yes indeed once again god damn you Tom Thrower anyway so we'll move on into the last bit of the podcast now which is your experience as a Stoke fan in the present day And of course, a big part for you, we've mentioned this a few times in the podcast, is you supporting from Bristol. Mm -hmm. And I know that something you wanted to talk about quite strongly is other fans down that end of the country. You've touched on it already. A lot of them are Arsenal fans or even fans from the Manchester clubs.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: How do football fans feel down that end of a country about supporting their team? And how is that different from you?
1: yes it's a great question uh, it, it, a real interesting topic in my view so for me I, i'd mentioned at the top of the show that it was really in the bloodline and it's something that's passed on as a you know family and i had that great connection with my dad about stoke and um i wouldn't go as far as to say it wasn't a choice i think you can always you know you can have the choice and i think being removed from the local area gave me more choice but it for me it, it actually wasn't an option mm. that that connection with the team with an area, it's in your blood it's who you are as a person It's um, it makes you who you are and it, it's unique. A, a lot of people sort of down my neck of the woods I guess support teams in the Premier League who are on the, the television uh, you know with all the world class players and have ultimately looked at a team that is successful as the team who they want to follow. And I think for me, growing up through sort of late 90s, early 2000s, Arsenal was that club. I've got a lot of friends who are Arsenal fans. So, you know, each season when we beat them at the Britannia, it was great times for me, Hmm. you know. And then when we get down the Emirates, I think in the 10 years, we never took a point from there, did we? It was the only ground where we didn't take a point which was real distress for me mm. but um you know i think they support the team and it's each to their own as i said sort mm. of diff- different strokes of different folks but they they made like a particular player like Henri and Wright, uh, frank lampard whomever it may be but it was almost seen as like supporting a successful football team was like a reflection on them as a person mm. and uh you know if their team was successful and they were, appeared to be successful. They were more comfortable with that sort of feeling. Mm. The only thing that couldn't be disputed, despite you know whether your, your football team is crap or their philosophy about how they go about their football isn't the way that they'd like an Arsene Wenger team to set up or whatever. Stoke fans have always been appreciated for the noise and how much they love their club. And that's been undisputed. Whomever I've spoken to, I think back in the day, I mentioned my first few games in Bristol. You know, there was a bit of rivalry there uh, for, for, for me and friends be, because Bristol City, Bristol Rovers, Stoke were in the same league. So, you know, we, we'd have a bit of banter on the school playgrounds, you know, leading up to the game after the games when Stoke and Berby won. Hmm. Although I can remember one time when Bristol Rovers Scored four up at the Britannia. Oh, jeez. Uh, great. And uh, I think Barry Hale's got a couple of goals that day. Yeah, so for me, it's more than football. It is more than football. It's it's who you are. It's ingrained in you as a person. And uh, it, it really gets you at that fundamental level of what, what you're passionate and what you believe in.
0: It's interesting because you mentioned how different fans value different things. Me and a guy at work today, he was talking about Moneyball and he sort of branched off and said, you know, should football players be paid on things like statistics and how well they do rather than just a set amount a week and it might incentivize them more to do certain things. And I thought, and this is a guy who knows football particularly well. Mm-hmm. and And I said, well, different clubs are going to value different things we can talk about the values for Stoke all day long and I know that's, that that's something we're going to come on to mm-hmm. but but something for an Arsenal team, you surely would just pin that on something like success or flair, I don't think you'd necessarily have someone in there take a Mesut Ozil, for example I know that his work rate has lacked and that's been famously put about but some Arsenal fans love him and I don't think that that's something that would be tolerated at other clubs but at Arsenal it is and whether that's rightly or wrong, I don't know. But this is what I'm saying. I think every club has different values of what you want to see in football. And perhaps for supporters further afield of the bigger teams, you're right, it is more to do with success and looking good and maintaining their image as a supporter you know i am the Mm. fan of a successful club and Mm. if their club drops off their supportership drops off too and therefore their loyalty is is perhaps dependent on that success and do you get that vibe from some fans down there
1: yeah i think it's such a good point i think you know some of stoke's recent downfall is because a lot of money has been given in wages Mm. for players who don't seem to really care Mm. And I think, as you say, incentivizing whichever way it may be, for whatever reason, as you say, flair, goals, success, whatever it may be. I, I think there's been a lot of problems in football due to getting too much too soon mm. in a career. I mean, you just have to look at some of the, some of the, the, uh, players that sort of really burst onto the scene as teenagers and mm. they lose their way because they're given a lot of money, a lot of adulation. Um, and I, and I think that that hunger in sports is imperative to success. And I think as Stoke fans, as you say, it's different for different clubs, but for Stoke fans, we want to see players who reflect the area and the ethos of the area. They're hardworking, they're proud, and they put a shift in. And that doesn't mean that things like skill and flair are neglected. What mm-hmm. we're talking about here is a bare minimum. is a stoke player, if you give your all, you might not be the most talented, but you will win the fans over. If you don't look like you're given the proverbial, you're found out pretty soon. But I think, yeah, to your point, absolutely, th- th- there's merit in incentivising different things. Otherwise, you can be hamstrung with some very expensive players on your hands. Oh, hmm. Ozil in our case, several players at the moment that we're looking to move on this summer. Mm. And what do you do with them?
0: Exactly. I mean, the trouble we're in at the moment is we've got players that won't leave because they're better off sitting on their backsides here. And to be honest, if you were in a job that was being paid £200,000 a year, all you had to do was turn up or you could move to a different place you'd be earning £50,000 a year, but you'd have to work hard for that money. You might enjoy your job more, you might enjoy your day-to-day more, but I'm not saying I can understand why some players rot their careers away, because I think being a footballer must be such a gift, and it's such a rare opportunity to be able to make your mark on the world. You know, players like Messi or Ronaldo or or the like wouldn't have been happy with just sitting on the bench somewhere if that was the case he'd have
2: he,
0: they'd have moved i'm i'm absolutely sure of that mm-hmm. obviously that's that's not the way it's worked out for them but i'm but i'm talking in the case of our players i can understand why if they think i'm not going to set the world alight perhaps my next move isn't going to set the world alight either some players don't see the affinity of being a legend at a certain club and so they think well for the security of my life and my family's life, why would I not just sit here earning this money? And you're right, that's not... It is a problem with a player's attitude, of course. I I wouldn't want to see anyone with that kind of attitude down at Stoke. But I think that sort of attitude has been bred from football allowing players to do this. And this is how players have more power.
1: You've hit the nail on the head, in my opinion. It might not be everyone's opinion, but you've hit the nail on the head, in my opinion. I Mm. think it starts from the top and what you're given sets the parameters. If you're allowed the money and you're allowed the length of contract, you're not gonna turn it down. You speak about Messi there. For him, the hunger comes from achievement and success. And of course, there might not be anyone else bar Ronaldo, depending on who you think, you know, you you go with as the world's best that that sort of get into his bracket. Bearing in mind as well, when if you're getting this money week on week, you become used to it. Mm. It's like when you get something new, like a new car. Of course, you're very grateful and you're really excited that you've got it, but it becomes the norm after a few months, few years. And like a player's contract, if they're on this money all the time, they see it as the norm. So it isn't the money necessarily that motivates them because they've got the money and it's become the norm that's where the incentives come in, and if it's something that you've got to work hard for and really apply yourself. I, I believe it's been an issue with, probably not in recent times, but for quite a long time with the England team, um, and sort of getting getting too much too soon and player power and everything. You mentioned sort of 200 grand a year, Ben. Well, I think I was, I was on that and Don't some. Week, isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Goodness me. Different I mean- life. Well, I mean, we talk about first world problems. They've got zeroth worth, or whatever you want to call it. It's the next level from that, isn't it? Yeah,
1: um, it is. But I think it is that how do you keep them motivated? And for the likes of you and I, yeah, to be a professional footballer, you've got so- such a gift. And sort of if you're, you're tuned into that, you hold that as your motivation.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, I tell you what, this is something that I've never really asked before. This has just sort of come to me off the top of my head. Imagine you were a footballer. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, And I know, of course, you're a Stoke fan, so that might influence this. What do you think your priority would be, honestly? Do you think it would be money? Do you think it would be success? Do you think it would be just being able to develop yourself into the best footballer possible. Like that's very different from success because you could be, yeah. oh, I don't know, a bit part player at Chelsea, but win a lot of trophies. Or would you rather, mm-hmm. you know, be a fantastic footballer at a club that doesn't necessarily win much? Or again, is it mm-hmm. being a legend like Wilco who stayed at one club, wasn't necessarily the best player, wasn't the best footballer, didn't win a lot of things, but you had that loyalty with the fans.
2: Yeah.
1: What
0: Or is it money? Would you simply say, like, wherever the money goes, I'd go?
1: Great question. And I'll endeavor to be completely honest here. <laughs> so, I genuinely think, obviously, your upbringing is going to have a say in it. Of course, it is. Yeah. And you see a lot of footballers, fair play to them. They haven't had much as kids. Yeah. And then, you know, they've really worked hard at, at their trade, which essentially what it is. And then they've gone on to be phenomenal successes. I've been very fortunate in my background. I mean my dad growing up in Hanley he was a he lived in a terrace house, you know, two up two down, toilet in the yard and you know we were very much grounded as as children because we were very fortunate uh, in terms of sort of my upbringing. I think it will come from your values as well, you know, because mm-hmm. your values very much determine your decision making. So if for instance your values your key value is loyalty then you may be someone like your Wilco or or Dicko. If protecting uh, and providing for your family, which is generally in people's values, the money side of it comes into it. And then, of course, there's things like, you know, being the best that you can be. And I spoke about earlier, like, taking opportunities, slightly different um, (laughs) sort of uh, set of circumstances that I'm talking about. But, yeah, um, you know, taking your chances. You'd look to be progressive in your career, and sort of, you know, reach the peak and then stay stay on top as as long as possible because every retired footballer will always say, you know, you are a long time retired and your career is a, a really short period. Getting right to the nub of the question that you're asking, I would like to think, at least I would like to think that money wouldn't dictate to me what I would do with my career. Mm. I believe it should be seen as a byproduct of your success. Mm-hmm. So if you are good at what you do and you continually perform, you get the reward for it. The issue we're talking about is getting loads of money and sat in the stands not doing anything because you sat on a contract. And that's something completely different. I guess going full circle, if you're given that contract and you're allowed to do so, you're entitled to do it aren't you and um very difficult to move on those players yeah which way would you go ben
0: oh i don't know it's something i'd have to think about because you're right there there is a lot to think about there i'll tell you what i won't answer it now if i ever do my one of these one day which i do plan on doing so i put this out on twitter the other week i said people have always asked me am i going to do one of these myself and I said yes I will do there's there's a certain number in my head of episodes that I want to reach um before that happens I want to get to number 56 I want to reach file 56 when that happens I'll have my go and I've got ideas for it of how that'll happen maybe I'll have a think about it in between now and then and I'll see what i come up with but uh It'd be interesting to see what other people say. Actually, it might it might be something that I drop in as a as a regular question for other people.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. It's difficult because it
0: tells it explains a lot about a person. You're right. There's so many different elements to it. There's so many different elements to to football. And I think I'm I'm watching the Spurs documentary at the moment, mm-hmm. as I'm sure a lot yep. of people are. And you just realise sometimes what little things. A club or things that happen inside of the club, they they spiral into these these effects that fans don't get the vision of. I'm I'm thinking, spoiler alert. I know that Mourinho was talking to Deli Ali and said, you know, he's a wonderful footballer with wonderful potential, but he's not got the training ability. So he sat him down and said, look, I think you need to sit down and think about what motivates you and why you're not applying yourself perhaps in the correct way to. Make you a superstar rather than just, you know, someone who, who peeks up and down. And he sat there, clearly thought about it, went home, must have trained hard. And his form was incredible for the next few games after that. And it's something that we as Stoke fans, you know, we're talking about behind the scenes, good and bad, you know, players like Ryan Shawcross, who are legends at the club, Andy Wilkinson, legends, Mark Ronautovich, I guess, has a bit of both because you don't Mm -hmm. want Mark, you said, to have made him the wonderful player that he turned into from being a right delinquent into being an absolute colossus at Stoke to then the other end of the scale, him leaving in the way he did. You never know what happened behind the scenes. And the same for players like Badu and Dai. Think of how he was, you know, he joined us when we were looking to get relegated. And then that first season in the championship, that first game against Leeds, he was an absolute disgrace. And I think he'd look back at that and say the same. And no wonder he went out on loan. And then he come back and then something must have been said to him because for those few games he played under Nathan Jones, he was magnificent. Mm -hmm. He was the best player in that squad. Something Mm -hmm. must have clicked. And I wonder what his motivation and a lot of players' motivation is in football for something like that. And I guess the reason why some players are successful at some clubs and some aren't is because their values align with the players. And I don't think that that's something that's looked into enough, whether the values of someone and why they want to be successful in football is the same as why the football club wants to be successful. And success to clubs mean many different things, the same as it does to players, the same as it does to fans, but they all have to align the same way that, you know, if an Arsenal fan perhaps has different values in the way that they think that their club should be run and it's not being run, (laughs) think of Wenger out. Um, (laughs) You know, if, if they're not, Aligned, then they're not going to be as big a fans of the club, the same that there are Stoke fans out there, God forbid, that aren't as engaged as the rest of us. And it's because maybe they, they don't quite see the, the club in them as much as other people. I'm going off on a big tangent here. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to avoid uh, the question, I, I think, is what I'm doing. But
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it's a, it shows it's a great topic. Yeah. And I think you made some really good points there. And it it goes back to why people support football clubs, what motivates players. And it, and it is values and, and tastes and things like that. And that's why it is so complex. You know, great um, conversational piece about Badu and Dida. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Came back, looked a different player, fully motivated, was running the games from midfield. It's just a shame we couldn't keep the clangers out of our game. Um, <laughs> but... Um, it, it, it's a it's a really really good topic that you could talk to about talk about for a long time and everyone would have an opinion
0: yeah i'm sure and and like i say hopefully i'll i'll try and bring that back up when it's relevant at some point and see I what you deserve to, say. to be
1: interviewed yourself
0: ben, oh. you know
1: setting up this platform you deserve <sighs> you deserve your time so hey, uh,
0: listen right i i I don't deserve my time more than anybody else on here. And that's why I'll get one episode the same as anybody else does. <laughs> you know, everybody deserves their voice. I might, to be honest, I'm probably saying way too much in every episode. It, it's yours. And that's the way it should be. But then there we go. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're able to stimulate something like that. It's just a not play that, you like really confused by you, you know because you've been supporting Stoke for longer than I have and a lot of people mm-hmm. listening will have as well is there a player that you would have loved to have understood why he did a certain thing good or bad like why would a certain player stay at Stoke for as long as he did like Shawcross or why would someone leave at the time he did like I don't know Graham Cavanaugh or something like that you
1: know god blame me. that is a very good question trying to wrap my brains through certain players <laughs> Do oh, you stumped me there? Take your time. I can add it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was, you know, certain certain connections, like th- things like okay, on a grander scale than the players. Why would an Icelandic consortium take over Stoke City? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that how that came about. Very, you know, very interesting.
0: Do you think they thought that they were going to make some money from us, or
1: I think that was probably it, Ben. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. And then a bizarre, uh, in the same in the same breath, I spoke about the uh, playoff final where we beat Brentford. The next day, Gujon Thorsson sacked hmm. by you know the Icelandic board, and he is a native of Iceland. So strange. That was a strange decision mm. for me. Very strange decision. We'd sold our best players. He'd still managed to get us promoted. Yeah, it's just it's just very odd. I, I, I think there's players who, when we've and more in recent times where we've had different a churn of managers, and a manager could have bought players in. And at the moment, quite a lot of the backbone of our squad is is Gary Rowett's team now, um, and. If you know players follow round individuals, they follow managers. Managers trust certain players, etc., etc. You look at someone like Tom Ince as an example, who gets quite a bit of stick, and I guess that's because the expectation of him as a championship player was very high because of what he did at Blackpool, what he did at Derby, etc. And for whatever reason, it hasn't quite clicked with him. I think the, la- the not last season, season before the first in our championship. He showed glimpses under Rowett. Then he's gone through, you know, Nathan Jones, now Michael O'Neill. And you, you, there's just some players that just don't fit with certain clubs. And you think they, they still go, still continue to play. And you think, is it a case of the fact that the club can't move them on? Or you know do they do they want to be here and and I think we with you know in he's had a dent in his confidence and things like that, Fobi, I'm sure if Lee Johnson had stayed at Bristol City and they could have afforded him, he would have gone if they you know they in the loan uh, option that they sorry the the loan agreement that they took if they put in the option of a permanent transfer, I think the phobie would have gone as well, mm. and then Nathan Jones as a manager. You know, we, we gave him lots of backing, lots of support, showed great passion, but he, he, you're very unlucky with certain games. Um, if, you, if you take, you know, close following to XG, ours was very high with, with Nathan Jones, but we made these sort of unbelievable errors, kept shooting ourselves in the foot. But he then in the end wasn't necessarily a suit for Stoke either. And I think Michael O'Neill is. And, uh, yeah, it's just football. And, and again, it's like, it, it seems like your values, someone like John Walters, I thought when we signed him, we're looking to progress in the Premier League. Why are we getting a player from the middle of the championship who's <sighs> older? He isn't like someone up and coming, I don't know, like someone like Ollie Watkins at the moment or what have you. Why are we going for him? And that, But you see, Pulis puts so much faith in character of players and that goes back to the point of motivation and what makes people tick. And getting people working towards a shared objective and walters was just the embodiment of you know working hard giving it your all he had that game against chelsea where what did he get two two own goals and missed the penalty mm. but then the next game you know he's putting it in again and um it was just a great fit for the club
2: yeah definitely
0: certain fits for certain sets
1: Right, you know, yeah,
0: like, I like that. <laughs> I think you took the words right out of my mouth. for so the most of that, like sometimes it just feels right, and you don't know why at first. And again, I want to know why some managers feel like some players are right. I mean, obviously, Mark Bowen thought that Kevin Bena was right for us. Uh, <laughs> clearly not, but then yeah, when they get it right, it's just amazing to see them click with the club and see yeah, them click.
1: Conversely to Kevin Vimmer, but on the point you're making about clicking, look at the um, history, uh, uh, the career that Bojan had. Yeah. And obviously he, injuries took a toll. You know, still thinking about that Rochdale game is just so sad for everyone concerned um, when he did his knee. Um, but, you know, no way would he have stayed with Stoke to even give the championship a go if he hadn't got that affinity with with the club and the supporters and it hadn't clicked. Mm. And, and that just went so far. Unfortunate, again, to end how it did. But, you um, know, these things happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I think it's it's clear to see what he loved in football and what he was in it for. And yeah. that's why he moved to us and from us, I think, because mm-hmm. he wanted to play football and be loved mm-hmm. and and to do well. I think we talked about motivations earlier. He, they were definitely his motivations.
2: Mm.
0: And of course, our priorities were perhaps different at the time, which is why I think towards the end, he just didn't work. Our priorities and his priorities were different.
2: Mm.
1: But he had a great grounding in Barcelona. Yeah, you know, As did Moniesa. Yeah, Yeah. Same ilk.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: They do things right at that club. I mean, I know it's a massive club, but... Yeah, the whole ethos uh, behind it is fantastic.
0: Yeah, you can see why they produce the best players in the world. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've been talking a lot about identity and I know you've touched on this already. What are Stokes' values? What is Stokes' identity?
1: Stokes City Football Club, it it really is the embodiment of the the local area. That's the way that I see it and it pulls in all those things that we've spoken about, Ben. the, The passion, the hard work you know that bit of skill the expansive expansive football yes maybe not through the purliest years but the way that my dad remembers Stoke City they were always expansive in the football and um you know people work hard through the week and for their money and they expect the team to wear the badge with pride um and if they do they will be adored and if they're not interested they they'll be found out like i said earlier that's why it's so important to identify with the team from the terraces because When that happens, the atmosphere at Stoke is incredible and teams were beaten before a ball was kicked. So really, it's that connection between the football club and the local community. That's why it's great. Why, you know, we've got local ownership in place who let's give them their credit. You know, in the championship, they, they, they really backed Rowett with the money. We can debate whether it was spent well or not but they really did back them potentially in the Premier League years. They could. Have, it may be in hindsight that if they could have done a bit more, they might have done. But um, Stoke was always seen as the blueprint for any team going into the Premier League because of the unity and um, the, the identities very much, yeah, working class uh, area, family driven, look after your own, work hard for it. And, um, with that as a, the sort of the, the basis, um, Stoke ruffled a few feathers in the Premier League, mm. and um, when you're doing it in the Premier League, you get you get the attention. Then I'll keep saying it: the atmosphere is what sets us apart. So again, hopefully, we've sort of dipped as low as we can go. Uh, mm. You know, got everything crossed, and that we're back on the right course, and. Uh, it might not be that we get straight back up very quickly, but as long as we're building and we're, we're progressive, I think that's what uh, you know the Stoke fans are looking for, and to to get that atmosphere and the, the hunger and the passion, sort of back and the, the feel good factor around the club back. Uh, hopefully, we're not too far away from that.
0: Yeah, I I agree, and I, and I think we're on the right course, definitely. Considering we're, where we were, like the downward trajectory we're on, I feel like it's maybe ever so slightly upwards, but it's definitely upwards.
1: Yeah, I sense that even from Bristol. <laughs> yes, exactly right.
0: <laughs> something I'm, I'm meaning to ask more as I'm doing these, what do you want to see from Stoke next? And I'm not saying Premier League football. I mean, if that's your priority, then okay. Mm-hmm. But but mm-hmm. something about your affiliation with Stoke and your match day, what do you think Stoke's priority should be? This could be on and off the pitch. This, this could be something from they've got to sign the next Messi in the making or they've got to shorten the queues and the turnstiles. <laughs> what <laughs> You know, what should Stoke work on next?
1: Right, so I'll briefly touch on the pitch. So I think if we're going to get any real success, Ben, as we know, you need some serious investment mm. and it's a project over a long period of time. I think Man City did it quite quickly and you look at the amount of money they were back with, as did Chelsea sort of back in the early 2000s. Debate there as to whether you would sell your club to uh, owners that are outside of the area who maybe haven't got the affiliation with the club. It's a risk, isn't it? We see it with other clubs. Portsmouth, how they've gone, do you or don't you? So, yeah, naturally, some stage in my life, I would like to see one of the major trophies won. That would be great. Mm. More in the sort of short-term uh, it, it's got to be stuff that the club can do off the pitch. Mm. And I, I think with the current sort of setup, it has become a bit bit stale. I think you know people have their views on the hierarchy at Stoker. I've mentioned the owners, but I'm sort of talking separate to the owners. I think the there are clubs out there where yeah, mm. I, it, it's stuff that people I think would know of and mention themselves like digitally. The way that they reach out to people. We have got such fantastic supporters that are all over the globe and keeping them connected it, it is so important because, um, for, for them and for the club, because, you know, the fans are obviously the, the lifeblood of the club. And I, I just, I think they could do, they could do more. There seems to be quite a lot of red tape for Stoke <laughs> yeah. before they actually get something done. And I guess it's from my perspective, I guess from the outside looking in, it's it's frustrating because we do everything at my place of work to remove complexity, to get the hurdles out of the way so that people can be as effective as they possibly can. And I'd just like to see things rolled out quicker. We've got some good innovation. I mean, the fact things that set us apart, like the away travel, absolutely fantastic. Great. So if we can come up with something like that, why can't we come up with more things? It's apps because we're recording today when they've just announced the 11-game season ticket for this mm-hmm. year, the red and the white. Yeah. Um, we were having a chat about that. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Yeah. But yeah, I think the main things around how we can connect with fans, I- I've heard a lot of people talk about things like fan parks and more that they could do outside the stadium. It seems where the stadium is placed has got a lot of red, red tape because of where it's placed. Mm-hmm. Um, things like you know getting in and out of the ground and the ease of, of, of that um, and, and what can be put on. I see other clubs that, that that just seem to do things at pace. they get it rolled out quicker and they, they you know they, they, they're given tools, be it digital or otherwise that help their supporter base connect better than what we do at Stoke. and I just like to see an improvement in that
0: if if I was to ask you bearing all that in mind. Mm. if I was to ask you for the one thing that you'd love to see them working on starting from tomorrow, and I'm not necessarily saying a topic like digital or things outside the ground or Mm. sign this player. I'm saying if there's one thing you'd specifically love them to work on, like an action that Mm -hmm. they can do, what would you want them to do?
1: I think sometimes we play as a club, almost like the, the small club syndrome and we don't shout about what's great about the club. And that's the one thing that I would say we should do more of because things that we do do locally, sort of in the local community, um, and all of that great work, the charity stuff with Donna Louise, uh, it is looked upon when people know about it with great admiration. Uh, going through COVID, what the coats have done for, for the staff to sort of keep the jobs, spoke about the away away um, travel for the fans one thing maybe not just sort of an action but one thing as a club I just think our experience and what we do on a local scale would be seen and held in such high esteem by um, institutions like the Premier League
2: Mm.
1: why not shout about the great things that we do and go bigger with it and um, you know ultimately it works out for the club because you know that the, the more that you're seen in a, in a good light, the more positive attention it brings to your club. Just taking that step further.
0: Hmm. So I guess it's just finding a way of communicating that better, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Showing all the things that is great about the club. Yeah, as is the way. It's generally through digital stuff now.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I think it goes it goes unseen by the wider football world. As I say, some of the things that I've mentioned... Those are unique things to the football club and were very good at it, yeah. very good at it. I think uh, I, I mentioned Adrian Oldfield earlier. I mean, the, the last sort of big night out, the sleep out that they did in the concourses, Tollgate was sort of back in that and Lou Makari was down and I know they've had ex-players down. I might be wrong here, but I'm not aware that they do such a thing at other clubs. Mm. But if they knew that Stoke City would do, were doing it, um, and we could get it rolled out on a on, on a wider scale for a wider community, that would be absolutely fantastic.
2: There you go.
0: Food for thought, definitely. I agree. That's definitely something that we need to do. I know that we play the un- underdog mentality mm. on the pitch, but off the pitch, I think we've got to shout about how good we are and finding a new way of doing that, or a more effective way, at least, of doing that we're a good club and other people need to see it we're not just a shithouse team we're, you know it, it's more than that it's definitely yeah. more than that
1: and, and as you say there's things that we could be better at yeah but the things that we are good at we are very good at it and we should let people know
0: absolutely along that line then i'm going to start drawing this to a close so there's a couple of final questions i always ask everybody as i say mm-hmm. along that line if you had a chance to work at Stoke City in any capacity you wanted to, if you want to be the number nine, go ahead. <laughs> Where would you be?
1: Uh, I think this is a nice segue from what I was just talking about, really. Uh, I'm a trained football and cricket coach. Oh. And I, I just love working with young people. It's my passion. And, uh, you know, I try and take up coaching roles at work and mentoring roles, albeit it's sort of a different, different environment. And so a community role for me where, you know, I could give back, Aww. you know, some of the, some of the passion and some of the good things that Stoke as a, as a, as a place and as a football club have, have given me, I would love to do that. So that could take various guises. Yeah. It could be like, you know, heading up the, the role in the community or I know, you know, I'm just as a cracking job as the supporters council chair. And, uh, I know it's difficult to drive some of these initiatives through, but, um, yeah, influencing for sort of you know the wider benefit of of, of people, no matter what role that would be, um, would really appeal to me.
0: Oh, I think that's a lovely thing to do. I think it's a lovely way to answer that question. Actually, uh, we have a lot of different answers to that question. Some do want to be on the pitch, and understandably so. I can some I can understand why some would want to be a Stoke City legend, but no, I, I think that's a lovely way of answering that question. And then. I guess this is where I open the stage to you, as I always do. If, if there's anything else you'd like to say, anything you want to discuss, any shout-outs you want to give, this is this is your time to say whatever the hell you want. So you go for it, mate.
1: Great. So thank you, first of all, to you, Ben. I, I think you're very sort of modest about the podcast in terms of, you know, you've... Uh, it's a platform for people to come and talk to, to, uh, others and yourself about their, their memories, their experiences and what it means for them. But without the platform, that wouldn't be possible. So thank you so much. Um, hmm. for people like me who aren't in the immediate area, you know, to, to have that connection. Um, you, you know, the podcast is an absolute go-to for me. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful. I, I think that, you know, that we, we have got a, f- a fabulous common interest as Stoke supporters. I think, you know, the sense of humour of, of the people in the area, probably when you live there, is probably like normal life. But for me, just the, sort of the dry sense of humour, it, it gets me every time I'm sort of back with the Stoke fans. And uh, that feeling of connection and everything that Stoke City's bought for me. Yeah, it, we've had some bleak times and I think, you know, getting relegated. And when you're so passionate about your football club, and you follow the football club, support them for the reasons that I do. It hurts. There's more to life than football. I totally get that. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we all want to see our great club back on the rise, at least. Um, and I, I just thank those people who I've come into contact with um, in the club who, you know, have always made me feel welcome yeah long may it continue and hopefully we're back in the ground sooner rather than later I think we're targeting October so I've got everything crossed for that
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely right and I hope for your sake for someone that's so far away from the club it must be very difficult for those people who are as engaged as you are you know for me luckily when I was doing (laughs) when I was off work on furlough and I was just going for walks I was able to just walk down to the stadium don't be wrong it's not the same as being in there but you know that that just shows how close I was able to be sure not just to the stadium in proximity but just to the fans generally and how much access I have and I feel sorry for those people who don't have that access you said such kind things about the platform and this is what it's for is for people that you know may not have the voice generally or or if you do and and you just want to broadcast that a bit more widely you you know if you if you live in stoke and you don't feel like your voice is heard by enough people like this is this is exactly what this is for and i'm glad i do it because i get people like you on who i've had such a wonderful conversation with today and i i genuinely think it's been fantastic and i love every single one and Again, you say such kind things about the podcast and the platform, but it, it's all because there's enough people like you out there and there's more that I've not interviewed yet and there's plenty of those that I have who speak about Stoke in a way that you do. And there, this, this would not exist if Stoke weren't so engaged. And I do this because I am in awe of that, genuinely. And I think you talk about a way of celebrating what we do I'd like to think that this is a way one way that the fans are able to do that
1: Long well, may it continue
0: Long well, may it continue Let's hope there's plenty more of people like you mate <laughs> There's a final question as always and I know that you know the answer to this and I know that you've said it already a couple of times in this podcast so I'm going to let you just say it I'm going to let you describe your Stoke City story in three words for the title please mate
1: More than football
0: More than football. You knew that for a long time, didn't you?
1: I did. Yeah. And I I guess
0: it's a good reason. It genuinely is more than football. And I don't care what anybody says. Football's just a game. It's not. I wouldn't have been sat here for... uh, This Skype call's been going on for two and a half hours. And I don't (laughs) think... (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm not complaining. This is... (laughs) I don't often speak to my closest friends about one thing for as long as this. Football and... Stoke and the Stoke fans are able to produce things like this and it is for us anyway more than football and I'm sure it is for me I know it is for you Chris and I'm sure if you're listening this far into a podcast then it is for you as well so fair play to you and with that that's a fantastic way to close file 36 of the why files firstly once again thank you ever so much chris for coming on and sharing your story again it's just another person who i honestly had no idea who you were when you sent that email in and that's not me being like i can't know every stoke fan it's 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 no, very very not. difficult and i'm i'm so glad that you put your name forward because if you hadn't we wouldn't have had a conversation like this and i know it's something that you wanted to do I know it's something that a lot of people wanted to do, but it's people like you who reach out that are more engaged. And this is why I let people reach out rather than me just asking people to come on because it's people like you who really are engaged in something like this, know what to say, have prepared for this, and you clearly care so much about what you're talking oh, about and i think that's so gone through much. today from your past and your present and i think you've done incredibly well thank you ever so much for giving up your thank time thank you
1: mate. and i think you know with a name like machen hmm. it's a stoke on trent name and the amount of uh ways i've had my name pronun- pronounced i should say through uh throughout my lifetime so far it's just great to uh come onto a podcast <laughs> To connect with someone and they could pronounce my surname.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I didn't even ask. It must, like, I'd say just be a natural Stokey thing. Yeah, yeah, it does.
1: Thanks (sighs) ever so much, Ben.
0: You're absolutely welcome. You're absolutely welcome. And,. That there is just a reminder that this platform genuinely relies on people like you to get involved as well. And these days, there's loads of ways to do so. Uh, Whether you want to share your own Stoke City story and create your file, whether you think you could create a podcast dedicated to your Stoke City hero, or whether you know or want to hear from a Stoke City personality that might want to appear undisclosed. To get involved with any of these shows, head to the website and click Get Involved. I've completely redone the website for anyone that's not checked it out in a while. It looks a bit prettier, and yeah, I think it's much more aligned to what I think this platform is, which is a podcast, I think. I was a little bit scared at first to sort of nail myself down as yet another Stoke City podcast. I wanted to be just a platform for people to share their voices, but I think the best way of doing so definitely has turned into being a podcast. And that's why I've shaped this brand, I guess, if you want to call it, definitely the website into the platform for doing that. This is a Stoke City Podcast because it's the best way, I think, to get these raw conversations out of people. So if you want to come on and do the same thing, the click on Get Involved, and it's easy. Honestly, like anyone I tell you, Chris I tell you, it takes a couple of minutes just to say who you are and why you want to come on, and that's about it but I can understand that if you don't want to do that, that's fine. Uh, If you enjoyed the file and you want to hear more, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, go back and listen to the previous podcast if you haven't already, but most importantly, tell your friends about the show. Come and find us on social media at the YYY Files or send an email to the files at mel.com. All those links and everything that we talked about are in the podcast description. That just needs to say one more time. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much for listening. Until the next one. But don't forget, it could be your file one day. Frising is a forty off.